You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it, out. I it was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hey everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. This week's story is from Meredith White. The story was recorded in July 2014 at the Frontier in Brunswick, Maine. My hands were shaking so badly that I had to rest them on the podium in front of me so it wouldn't be so obvious. My voice was shaking, my heart was racing, and I had to breathe deeply in order to make myself calm down. I was testifying in front of Maine's Joint Standing Committee on Marine Resources in support of LD 1602, otherwise known as the Ocean Acidification Bill. I'm a marine scientist, not a politician. I understand complex chemical reactions. I know probably a dozen ways in which marine invertebrates reproduce. <laughs> I can run high-tech analytical instruments with dazzling precision, but the inner workings of our government are completely foreign to me. Until recently, the extent of my knowledge on how a bill becomes a law came from the schoolhouse rock. <laughs> so that's why I was so out of my element that day last January. It started last November when I received an email from Mick Devon, a Maine state representative. He was asking me and three other scientists from Bigelow Laboratory to support the ocean acidification bill that he had just proposed to the Maine legislative session. Unfortunately, the bill had been rejected, but he was hopeful that with support from scientists and stakeholders, it might have a successful appeal. So I read through the bill, and I found that the gist of it was to establish a commission of scientists, aquaculturists, fishermen, and other stakeholders. And those people would um, read and evaluate the existing data on how ocean acidification will affect Maine, and then try to come up with ways by which to reduce that impact. I am heavily involved in this field of ocean acidification research, so I knew that the only other state to have such legislation was Washington, and I was really proud that Maine would be the second state to have this kind of legislation. I feel a really strong connection to Maine because even though I grew up in Massachusetts, my ancestors are historically from Harpswell and Topsom, and while I was growing up, I spent every summer at my family's cottage on Potts Point in Harpswell. So I guess I should back up a step. Uh, ocean acidification, it's a big deal, particularly for organisms that form shells out of calcium carbonate, like oysters, clams, mussels, and scallops, and those are all organisms that we like to eat. It, when the waters become more acidic, it becomes more difficult for them to make their shells. 
And at very extreme values that we sometimes see in the sediments of mudflats, the shells can actually begin to dissolve. And ocean acidification is caused by carbon, increasing carbon dioxide, which reacts with water to form carbonic acid. That makes the waters more acidic. In coastal environments, such as along Maine's coast, the chemistry is more complicated, but it results in more extreme and variable conditions. So when I received Mick's email, I was ecstatic that some politician somewhere thought that my knowledge could help support his bill. I felt like I had made it as a scientist. Someone who didn't know me, had never met me, thought that my knowledge and opinion could make a difference. So I called my parents to tell them the news, and they were equally, if not more, impressed than I was. My dad said that it would be even cooler if I could be part of the commission that the law was trying to establish, and I thought, yeah, that would be pretty cool, but I have so much on my plate right now, I'm just really happy that I can support the bill by writing a letter, which is what I did. So I wrote a letter to the Legislative Council. I listed several reasons why I thought they should support this bill. And I was really pleased when the bill passed its appeal. And I liked the idea that I had played some small part in helping that happen. The successful appeal meant that now the bill would be heard by the Marine Resources Committee, who would vote whether or not to pass it into law. So in early January, I heard from Mick Devon again, asking me and others to testify at the hearing. So I went to my computer and I Googled how to write a testimony. And I used all of the hints that I found to carefully prepare my testimony. I like to plan things very much in advance. I learned that the written testimony should be no more than two pages. The oral testimony should be a summary with only three to four bullet points that would take only two or three minutes to say. I should bring copies for every member of the committee. I give plenty of scientific presentations and mostly I've gotten over my stage fright for that. But leading up to the hearing, I knew that I would be very nervous because it was a completely new setting for me. I wouldn't be surrounded by other scientists. I would be surrounded by people who understand much better than I do how politics work. But even though I was uh, really nervous, I was so excited because it was a really unique opportunity for me to make a difference with my scientific knowledge. As scientists, we are required to point out the broader impacts of our work. So for example, when we write proposals to get funding for our work, we have to tell the funding agencies how our work will impact society beyond simply informing other scientists. I have written things like, this work will have implications for policy making. These data will be useful to aquaculturists and commercial fishermen. But I never expected that I would be the one to make the connections between the basic research and the policy. I was the fourth person out of 22 testifying that day. And the first scientist to testify talked about how Maine waters are more susceptible to ocean acidification than other East Coast waters because the Gulf of Maine is less buffered. And I thought, wait, that's one of my three bullet points. Do I say the same thing? Do I try to come up with something else on the spot? But I like to plan, and so I was at a loss. Then he and the next scientist both talked about how ocean acidification is particularly bad for shellfish, which are important for Maine's coastal economy. 
The second scientist also talked about how coastal environments are affected by ocean acidification in more extreme ways than the open ocean. At this point, I was panicking because they, between the two of them, they had covered more than three quarters of what I was planning to say. But when it was my turn to testify, I still had to get up and make those same points because I didn't have anything else, re else prepared. Uh, also, as I listened to the people before me testifying, I realized that they were all uh, acknowledging the important members of the committee by name, and my Googling had failed me because <laughs> I did not know that that was the proper protocol for uh, giving a testimony. And in this case, one of the committee members had a slightly difficult to pronounce last name, and I was very worried that I would mispronounce it, and I decided that it would be better for me just not to acknowledge them by name than to risk mispronouncing his name. My voice shook, my hand shook, I was so nervous. And when I finished, and I felt like I had finished too quickly, like I had spoken too fast, I sat down, I started breathing again. And I felt like I had done an adequate job, but I didn't think I had made any unique points. I was still really glad that I had done this because it was a new experience for me, but I didn't feel like my testimony made much of a difference. The next day, the Portland Press-Herald published an article about the hearing, and aside from Mick Devon, the sponsor of the bill, the testimony that they quoted was mine. So, Maine's uh, economic health is tied to these fisheries and the coastal ecosystem as a whole, and could be affected in deleterious ways if no action is taken, White said. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> I knew that they had quoted from my written testimony, not from the oral testimony, because I had very carefully avoided saying deleterious, <laughs> since I wasn't really sure how to pronounce it. <laughs> I was pretty surprised that mine was the testimony they quoted from all of the knowledgeable scientists who testified that day. But later that week, I was at a conference in Augusta, and I met several of the people I had seen at that hearing. Four different people came up to me and thanked me for my testimony, and one of them actually said, your testimony really added to the scientific integrity. So I, I guess something about the way I wrote it or delivered it made my testimony stand out. And in retrospect, I think that I had found a way to make the science understandable to non-scientists. So while I was waiting my turn to testify, since I already understood the science behind ocean acidification, I knew that I would be repeating the same facts that had already been stated. But maybe the members of the committee and the people in the audience didn't realize that I was repeating. Maybe I had found a way to make it a little bit more understandable to them. In April, Maine became the second state to have ocean acidification legislation when this bill was passed into law. Yay! <laughs> but that wasn't the end of my involvement because in May, I was actually asked to be one of the three scientists on the 16-member Ocean Acidification Study Commission that the new law established. And thank you. <laughs> So I called my parents to tell them the good news, and my dad said, see, I told you they would want you. 
And I'm, I'm thrilled to be serving on this commission with an outstanding group of Mainers. This is a chance for me to actually live the broader impacts that I've written about in proposals. I first became interested in marine science when I was only three or four years old, toddling through tide pools on Potts Point. And now I'm an oceanographer living and working in Maine. And I have this amazing opportunity to use my scientific research and knowledge to make a difference in the state that I love so much and in this region that inspired me to become a marine scientist. Thank you. That was Meredith White. Meredith is a postdoctoral researcher at Bigelow Laboratory for Ocean Sciences in East Boothbang, Maine. Her research focuses on how coastal ocean acidification affects marine organisms, from phytoplankton to commercially important bivalves. She first became interested in marine science as a child exploring the countless tide pools along Harpswell's coast, and is therefore extremely pleased to be living and working as a biological oceanographer in Maine. For more science stories, take a look at storycollider.org, where we have archives of the podcast and upcoming events. Also, we depend on listeners like you for our support. If you love the podcast, please consider donating at storycollider.org donate. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Weck, Darren Barker, and Ari Daniel. The podcast is produced by Rose Avalith. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin D'Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to The Frontier for hosting the show, to Skylar Bear for making the main show happen, and to my civics class for convincing me to become a scientist or writer or an MBA or anything else, really. Thanks for listening. <laughs>